0: Well, as we continue today to think about our theme for the year, we had decided that we were going to look at four different aspects of joy. And as part of that, we're kind of looking at it today from a different perspective than we've looked at it previously. We started in Nehemiah, the strength of the Lord is our joy. We moved from there to understand that The Psalms tell us joy is a command from the Lord and today we're going to see that joy is really a result of being filled by the Holy Spirit. And if you have your Bibles, I want to go ahead and invite you to turn to the book of Galatians. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 and as we do that, I think there's some things that we've seen even in the last few weeks that remind us of the joy that we have in the Lord. And so if you missed last weekend or you haven't seen this, I want you just to watch this video as we start this morning. Look at that. Aren't you excited? We're having a baby shower. Can <laughs> every one of these ministries tonight is getting another $2,000 for their ministry. that's all right, wasn't it? It's a fun weekend to be a part of and and we've already heard from so many of our partners just telling us what the weekend meant to them and, and them being able to be with us. And a couple of the words that they used to describe the weekend, one of them that just kept coming up over and over again was the word overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed by the generosity of the church. And, and they felt like they had never experienced anything like that before. And I always try to be quick to let them know that this isn't something we came up with and, and we figured out, we were taught how to do it. And, and I think that's really important for us because we have been learning what it means to be generous to people who are on the front lines of ministry, and learning is a part of those things in our Christian life that just keeps taking place over and over and over again, and as you could see it Sunday night, it really is better to give than it is to receive, and you guys overwhelmed them, you blessed them in ways they couldn't have imagined, and I should also mention, just by the way, that we took up over $86,000, it was $86,980, to fund that next translation of the Bible with Pioneer Bible Translators, which is amazing. So grateful for that. And I don't know that we'll ever understand truly the eternal impact of what that means for us to be a part of that. And I'm so grateful today to have known people like Morgan Jackson in our lives from Faith Comes By Hearing who came and spoke at our first ever Global Impact Celebration that we ever had and and taught us about that, and people like Greg Pruitt who came and and spoke from Pioneer Bible Translators so many years ago. I mean, those kinds of things help us to have opportunity to do these. I mean, because if you don't know, you don't even have an opportunity. It's like missing out on something, and I often think, you guys have the best kept secret over here. And we wanna tell people that you can be part of that because it's an unbelievable thing. If you think about it, it just fits great with what our theme is for the year. The joy in growing and the joy in going. And all year long, we've been talking about what it means for us to grow in the Lord in joy. We need to grow in our joy in the Lord. And as we're growing in the Lord, it's a joyous thing for us to be able to do. And as we go out from here now, we understand that we have these mission partners waiting on us and, and ready to receive us, and we're going out in joy with them. So we've used multiple opportunities over these last couple of weeks and months to to do that, to strengthen your joy. And I hope that you're signing up for those emails from our partners so that you'll know when the next trips are and you'll be ready to go. But there's some other things in the last quarter that I think I should just tell you about that are also things for us to celebrate and and that have a joyous occasion and, and just the numbers from the fall. Can I give you just a few of these? First of all, I want to tell you what to me is the most important number that we look at every year. And today is the last day of the church here. I know that feels weird. That's a Baptist thing that's just kind of been around forever. Our, our, quarter, our quarterly curriculum runs this way. It starts over in October and it kind of, your Sunday school, your life group material, it's always kind of done this. So it ends today, and at the end of our service, we'll be voting on a new budget, but this number is the most important number to me every year, and it's our baptism numbers. Why would our baptism numbers be important, especially when we don't believe that people are saved by baptism, because we don't. I mean, you're not not married because you're wearing a wedding ring, I mean, for crying out loud. I've had to go to a rubber wedding ring. How great is that, you know? because my fat knuckles don't fit the gold one that my wife gave me and I refuse to get it resized, you know? So wearing this, I don't know, dollar piece of silicon rubber from Amazon, it, it doesn't make me married. I was there when we got married. So why is baptism so important? It really expresses for us a life change in someone's life where they're starting to follow Christ, right? So we know that they've already come to salvation, but now as a fully devoted follower of Christ, people often say that baptism is the first step. And this year, we've had 33 people join us in the baptismal waters to to profess their faith in Christ. And that's an amazing thing, especially when you think about last year, we were in the 20s with that. And I wanna just share something with you because With all of these, there's there's another way to look at this. That makes us a top, if if last year holds correctly the numbers, that will make us a top 100 church in the state of Tennessee with all of Tennessee Baptists in terms of baptisms. And that's a great thing, And and I love that. I'm excited about that. But I want you to think about that. It doesn't take much to get into the top 100, does it? And with all the people moving in to the state, as much as we celebrate on the one hand over here how great this is, on the other hand, doesn't it just put in clear focus what the mission is for this next year, right? I mean, it's like, yes, and Lord, give us more. We need to be praying about that earnestly. I mean, it's a great thing for us to be able to do. And I'm so excited that, that we've seen uh, almost, a I think it's like a 40% increase over last year. It's a great thing. Praise the Lord for it. And Lord, give us more. I don't think that's a bad prayer to pray. Is, it, is that a bad prayer to say, Lord, give us more? Lord, let us impact more people with the gospel. Let more churches in our city impact people with the gospel because we know that the city is changing as more people come. Lord, let us see more. Second number I wanna share with you that I think is important is that just in the last quarter of the year, 16 people made Judson Baptist their home. And that's new members who've gone through our Next Steps class. And if you're one of those people, I wanna just tell you right now how much joy that brings all of us. Doesn't it, church, to be able to to see new people coming to the church? Because we we wanna see people coming in and joining with us in the mission that God has given us. And I know maybe we we sometimes give a, a false impression around here that everything's just running smoothly, and it's not. It's like the duck that's on the water it looks calm, but the feet are underneath going like a thousand miles an hour, right? And, and here's why. Because we realize that the mission that God has given us is big and we can't do it without everybody that God sends to us. So praise the Lord that just in the last quarter, 16 people. That's amazing. Here's another number that ought to encourage you. Is ought a word should encourage you? This year, Miss Gerilyn has had her hands full in the preschool ministry. And I wanna make sure that you understand what that looks like. So this year we've had 17 babies born, amen? And guess what? We know about, we know about five more on the way. Okay, so what does that mean? Praise the Lord. A healthy church ought to be having new people saved. It ought to be having new people join the church. It ought to have new life coming into the church. And just like every one of these things creates a, a, a flip side, more baptisms, praise the Lord, we want to see even more because we realize there's more to go after. Guess what? Something amazing happens right here. All these babies, you know what they require? People to hold them. So you know what that means we need in the preschool ministry? Are you tired of me saying that yet? Don't get tired of it. Just go volunteer. Go sign up. You can do one month on. You can do one month off. You can be a a once a month volunteer. I mean, it doesn't take much to meet the need. It just takes availability. And I'm looking around the room at a lot of available people. If you've ever tried to hold two babies at once you know it can be done, but it's not easy. We need some people, praise the Lord for that. So it, it's a great thing that we have these things to celebrate in our life that God's been doing, a global impact celebration, more people baptized than last year, more people joining the church, more opportunities for us to serve, camps that we had at the latter half of the, of the, of the quarter. I mean, we saw God move in our student camps, we've seen God move in our senior adult ministry, we, we've seen God doing these things, right? How do we keep that going? Well, let's look at what the book of Galatians says. If you have your Bibles by now, you found Galatians chapter five and verse 22. This passage of scripture is really important for us this morning, I think. And I'll share what I think are probably the hindrances to us fully Grasping this in just a moment. But I want to read this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. When the Apostle Paul wrote this passage of Scripture, he wrote it to a church that was experiencing a little bit of an identity conflict. They were struggling. There was a little bit of internal conflict happening, and it existed because uh, there were a group of people that were known as Judaizers. And these were people who had been Jewish, obviously, by ethnicity, they'd been followers of Yahweh and now Christ the Messiah has come and they're believing in Christ but they're trying to figure out what it means. What do we retain from the old faith of being Jews and what do we take with us? And at the center of this was the apostle Peter. If you went back and and looked at the beginning of this book, you see that Paul says, Peter and I are not on the same page about this and I actually opposed him about this to his face. Peter was playing both sides of the fence. When Jewish friends were around, oh, he was a good little Jewish man. When he was hanging out with his Gentile friends, he ate what they ate. He hung out with them, which a lot of Jews wouldn't have done. But then when the Jews came back, oh, he'd switch back over. And and Paul was saying, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And he's been preaching to this church in this letter by saying to them, everything in your life now is going to revolve around what the Spirit of God is doing in your life, and it only centers through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. I've been crucified with Christ, he says, in chapter two. The life that I now live in the flesh, I'm not living by myself, I'm living by the power of the Son of God who loved me and saved me, he says. And now he tells these believers that there's something about them that is to be different than how it was not their flesh anymore but the holy spirit and in verse 22 he begins by saying the fruit of the spirit is love and then he says joy now we shouldn't be surprised that love is the leading mark of the fruit of the spirit should we because we understand that god is love we understand that if we're to be a christian We we know that God loved us, therefore we love him. We know that Jesus Christ loved us so much that he went to the cross to die in our place. We know that God loved the world so much he sent his only son. We are to be known by our love. Even Paul wrote an entire chapter in the book of Corinthians that is called the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. It's important, isn't it, that we understand that? Right behind it, though, is joy. And I have a feeling that sometimes in our lives, joy might be one of the missing links that show people who we are in Christ. It might be hard for us to find. And and I'll tell you that I think there's some reasons behind that. Uh, You know, but if you think about it, it's just kind of like something we have to grow into, just like we had to grow into generosity with our mission partners, we, we didn't know how to do that. It was a next step for us, we had to learn how to do that, we had to learn to walk in generosity, and, and we were wanting to do it, now we are able to do it, and we show our mission partners how much we love them in meaningful, tangible ways, and the results speak for themselves. In the same way we think about joy, and living a life of joy, then we have to understand it. Correctly, joy is defined by scholars as something that originates outside of us. That makes it different than happiness. If you happen to be here the first time we spoke about joy, we mentioned that some people use it to stand for Jesus, others, yourself. That order, very important. And, and we know that being joyful is a command of scripture. We know it's where we get our strength. And then, then why do we struggle with it in meaningful ways to be exhibited in our lives? Well, We know what it's like to be happy. Your child makes the honor roll, I'm happy. You get a promotion at work, I'm happy. You get to take a vacation that kinda gives you the reset you've been looking for. That's a happy thing, isn't it? I mean, none of those things are bad. None of them are joy. There's a difference. Those things originate outside of ourselves, but they're situationally dependent, aren't they? Because if I think the honor roll is important and my child doesn't make it, now we have a problem. If I really wanted the promotion and we don't get it, now we have a problem. If I really wanted to go on vacation and it rains the entire time I'm there, now we have a problem. There's something about joy, though, that is different. And if we reverse those letters, Jesus, others, yourself. You remember what we called that, Yoge. It doesn't work. Yourself, others, Jesus. That's how we often do this. And I, I mentioned a story in our sermon a few weeks ago about Paul being led to a place called Macedonia. Do you remember that? There was a vision. Come over here and, and help us. And he went, and there were two interactions that he had almost immediately that were incredible. One was with a lady named Lydia. And then we rough, uh, kind of just, just quickly, I should say, mentioned that there was a Philippian jailer who came to Christ out of that. Do you remember that? I want to read this because I think it will, will give you an understanding of what true joy looks like. Follow along on the screen. The crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrate stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Now, it doesn't take an empathetic soul to realize this had been a bad day. They take your clothes off, and they take rods, and they beat you, and then they lock you in jail, and and not just put you in jail, but put you in the stocks, and any of us could see that as being a difficult situation. Any of us could see that would be, that's a perfect spot to be down a little bit. Lord, I thought I was coming over here to help the Macedonians. Thanks a lot. Now I'm in the stocks. I've gotten beaten, and now I'm in jail. I mean, what's going on, Lord? But they weren't annoyed or put out by it. They were moved by it, right? I mean, think about what was happening. It moved their hearts to do something. And the amazing thing about this, can you imagine being in jail at midnight, the two knuckleheads singing next to you? Dude, shut up. Nobody wants to hear all that. But the scripture doesn't say that. It says that the other prisoners were listening to them. They were listening to them. Let's read a little more. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he threw his, uh, drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, you notice that they had their chance. Earthquake, chains, doors opened, chains fall off. They had the chance to, to run away, but they had a different attitude. Why wouldn't they run for their lives? They were gripped by joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Jesus had placed them on mission in a place that was difficult. Following Jesus doesn't take you into the easy spots all the time, does it? Following Jesus is, is not a guarantee in this life that no trouble will ever assail you. I mean, Jesus leads us into places that are difficult. Jesus leads us into places that are trying And yet, if we keep our eyes on him, we remember that it's about Jesus and then others and then ourselves. And that order changes things for us. So when we go back to the book of Galatians, we understand that these nine characteristics are not ideals for us to pursue. They're not a a byproduct of, I mean, I'm sorry, they are a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's work in us. Now, the pursuit can look the same And it may lead to some behavior modification for a while, but it's not the same. These characteristics come from the Holy Spirit filling our lives. And it's just what Paul told the Ephesian church. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There was nothing in the believer's life that needed to control them outside of the Holy Spirit. And as he's speaking to the the church, he says, when that happens, these things become evident in your life. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Boy, aren't we afraid of that as Baptists, right? Some of you heard the baby in the back a minute ago and thought, oh Lord, we're breaking out in here. The Holy Spirit's letting live, come on. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To be filled with the Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of, it's something to be welcomed. It's something to be pursued, isn't it? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, here's, here's the simplest way I can describe this to you. It's a moment-by-moment moment yielding of your life to the Spirit's control. It's not a one-time thing. It doesn't happen because you were here this morning and you decided you were going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and that's the end of that. No, because it takes day by day, moment by moment, yielding to the Holy Spirit's control in our lives because the Holy Spirit's trying to do something in our lives. The Holy Spirit is working his best to make us into the image of Christ Jesus. How do we do that? It starts when we stop being so self-centered and, we live a life being filled with Jesus, focused on others. But this is different than saying, you know what? I'm going to be more loving this year. That's not the fruit of love in your life. That's you doing it. And you pick the people you're going to be loving to and, and you just do that. Or I'm going to have joy this year. I'm, I'm going to manufacture that. I will make it. That, that won't achieve the same thing because our best efforts to do it don't do any good. A number of years ago, I was reading a book about the Ironman triathlons that take place every year in Hawaii. And sometimes when I was a a kid growing up, they would show that on the Wild World of Sports or something like that on TV, and you'd see these people that had swam this incredible distance. It's more than two miles. You bike 112 miles, and then you run a marathon just to top it off because you had plenty of energy left over. You know, can you imagine more than two miles swimming, more than a hundred miles biking, more than 20 miles running. And as I was reading about the stories about these people, there was a coach who had, who had trained an unbelievable triathlete who won the, the, the Kona Ironman multiple times. And this coach said something amazing. He said, and I I want you to, to catch this because this, I think this will blow your mind like it did mine. He said that the Ironman competitions and training for it make you fit, but that's not the same thing as being healthy. Wait just a second. How, does, how could that possibly be? How, how could somebody go do these things and not be healthy? I mean, they, they have to be the epitome of health, correct? I mean, it, it would be that way because they're training at such a high level. And he said, no, it's not the same. They might share some of the same appearances to make you think they're the same. You might do some of the same exercises that might make you think you're running in the same direction. But what it takes to be in peak physical condition to perform in an Ironman might actually be counterproductive to your overall health because of the toll that it takes on your body. Well, I'm going to be more loving this year. It's kind of like that, isn't it? It's... I'm going to do it in my strength. And when I'm frustrated that I'm not loving, it's all on me. It might look like somebody in the church for a moment who's being filled with the Spirit and they're loving their neighbor as themselves, but that's a, a different thing entirely, isn't it? One author that I read this week said the difference between those two types of things, I'm going to be more loving this year, I'm going to be more joyful this year, or the Spirit's working in me is the difference between manufacture and cultivation. Machines don't produce fruit. They produce things in the manufacturing process. That's why Pop-Tarts aren't really fruit. Know what I mean? You know what I mean? Some of you are like, what? No. The pop-tharts, def- it's one of the food groups. There's a difference, isn't there? That's manufacture. Cultivation happens with living things. Cultivation happens with living things. There's, there's a, a, a living soil. There's, there's water that comes down and, and creates a, a, living, a living seed, germinates and creates this tree or or this bush that we harvest the fruit from. I mean, you, you begin to understand, there's a difference between manufacturing and cultivation. What we're looking for God to do is to allow the Holy Spirit free reign in our lives to cultivate these things. It's not me manufacturing or you manufacturing. So then, is this the kind of thing where we just sit back and cool, let go and let God? Well, not exactly. Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. When we pursue the life of Jesus in us, then there's only one way for that to happen is followers of Jesus, we're constantly trying to let his life be reflected in our lives. And that only happens with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. Try. I double dog dare you to go home today with the idea you're going to be more patient. I dare you. Let me know how it goes this week. You'll be frustrated. Why is that? It's because we don't do the things we want to do. Remember what Paul says? The things I want to do, I I can't do. The the flesh is fighting me, right? We need a savior and the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And, And guess what? It was this way from the beginning. Did you know that? You didn't save yourself. It doesn't work that way. Boy, after we've been a Christian for a hot minute, we like to take a lot of credit for what God did in our lives, don't we? But it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. If we're dead in our trespasses and sin, how can we be made alive except through the Spirit of God in our lives? It's the Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin. If the Holy Spirit doesn't shine the light on that, how would we ever know that we need a Savior? How would we ever walk through a process of repentance? It's the work of God in our lives. Guess what? This is too. But we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, how do we do that? We ask the Spirit to fill us every day. And we stay close to the Holy Spirit so that the cultivation that needs to happen in our lives takes place. If you want to cultivate a good garden, you have to work in it, don't you? I mean, you have to be there. So I want the Holy Spirit to have access to my life. I want the Holy Spirit working in my life. I have to dive into the Word of God. I tie my life to Jesus' life and allow the Spirit to control the outcome of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Why is that so hard? Well... The flesh. You haven't gotten rid of it yet. Some people say that once we're in Christ, the flesh is no longer a problem, but I don't think they've read the Bible. Because look around the room. There's a lot of flesh in here. Right? It's with us. It fights us. It doesn't surrender. It doesn't wave the flag of surrender and say, oh man, I am so glad that you finally found Jesus. You, Jesus, take it all. Nope. Nope doesn't do that. It fights and fights and fights for control in our lives. And so as we pursue closeness with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that there are plenty of things that are pursuing us. In the previous verses, if you went back and looked at them in the book of Galatians chapter five, you would see The fruit of the spirit are like the antidote to all the works of the flesh. The, The things like sexual immorality, that's the opposite of love. Don't let anybody confuse that for you. Sexual immorality is the opposite of love. It's often called love, but it seeks its own pleasure by its own standards. Love originates from God. It doesn't seek its own good, but the good of others Peace is the opposite of strife. Gentleness, the opposite of anger. Look at it from that perspective and you begin to see that there are plenty of things from the flesh pursuing us, but as we pursue the Holy Spirit's filling in our lives, look what it does. It starts to crowd those things out. The Holy Spirit begins to shape the life of Christ in us. Well, let's think about these words for a moment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we find ourselves missing one of those things, when we look at our lives honestly and say, you know what? I'm struggling in this. I, I'm I'm struggling. It's contrary to the Holy Spirit. Well, that's that's a self-diagnosis thing that that God needs to work a little bit more in that that area of my life. And I can go to the Holy Spirit and say, I I recognize this Holy Spirit. You've revealed it to me. I'm anxious about things. I don't have the peace of God. Fill me today. Let me experience your peace. If I'm struggling with self-control. That thing is pursuing me. Maybe it's the the hindering part of my life and and it could be anything from food to money or or pleasure or screen time, just struggling with self-control. It's an area the Holy Spirit wants to claim back. And by yielding and being filled with the Spirit, we have an opportunity to see him work in our life to cultivate those things. These words reveal opportunities for me to grow in the life of Jesus. But they also tell me if I'm pursuing other things over and against Jesus, don't they? Because to become a fully devoted follower of Christ is the goal for all of us. And we wanna be the people who when the adversity comes, we're singing the hymns and everyone else is listening. Just like the Apostle Paul was that night so that circumstances don't dictate the outcomes. But our relationship with Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit start to change the outcomes. There's one more thing, maybe just to mention before we close this thought out today about being filled with the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19 it says don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Extinguish it or smother it. Well, how do we do that? You know the fastest way to quench the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life? I love that illustration, right? The, the idea of smothering out the flame, of quenching the flame is to brush off what the Scripture tells us to do to know what is right, to know what the the scripture is leading us to do and just set it aside and say, "Ah, not today, flesh wins today. It, It quenches the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we feed the fire of the Spirit in our lives is when we listen to the Word of God and obey the Word. When we feed the fire of the Spirit is when we yield daily to the Spirit's conviction and we act on those things. The Holy Spirit says, make it right with this person, and we do. The Holy Spirit says, don't do that anymore, and we don't. You you begin to see that feeds the fire, doesn't quench it. But any of us as believers, as much as we're asking the Holy Spirit to fill us in this moment, can quench it just like that. So I want to ask you this morning, if you wouldn't take a moment with me and just let the Holy Spirit speak to us, would that be a bold thing that we would bow our heads in this moment of response and we would just ask the Holy Spirit to speak? It's about joy today, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, what's pursuing you Won't you bow your heads for a minute and just speak to the Lord? Maybe as a believer, you'd want to just pray a prayer like this. Holy Spirit, fill me. From my head to my toes, fill me. And make my life one with the life of Christ. Forgive me where I've grieved you, Holy Spirit. Where I've quenched your work in my life. Give me the fruit of the Spirit cultivated in my life. There are things that are pursuing me, but I want to pursue you, Holy Spirit. Would you change me from the inside out so that people will see Jesus first, others second, and me in the distant last place? In your name, we pray Jesus, amen.